This is episode 47 of G.I. Joe Berg, South Africa's podcast dealing with G.I. Joe. And in this episode, we're continuing on from episode 46's ultimate card art showdown with our round two. In round one, we decided that Storm Shadow from 1984 beats out the 1989 Ali Viper card art, that the Baroness from 84 beats out Airborne from 1983, that Firefly 84 beats out Shipwreck's Battle Call version from 1994, that the Battle Android Trooper from 1986 tops Beachhead from 1986, that Snake Eyes version 2 1985 managed to slay <laughs> the unfortunate lucky loser astronaut countdown from 89 snowjob in a surprise upset was defeated by destro ripcord managed to take out the hiss driver and flint was pipped at the post by torpedo my name is steven and i'm joined this evening by our regular panel that's paul and rob and also our special guest Cujo. Pleasure to be here, brother. Now to give our ultimate card showdown some credibility, we asked for submissions from our fans and friends on Facebook, Twitter, and other social media platforms, and got quite a nice response from the following contributors. Scott Santafanti, Ryan from Star Joes, Scott Westerman, Justin Generals Joes Bell, 3D Joes, Mike Tenebrae, Ruloff Duplessis, Sean Durden, Kevin Form BX257, and David Cabal. Not to mention, of course, the pics of the gentlemen assembled before you. We're now working our way towards the ultimate conclusion, and gentlemen, I'd like to just get a quick idea. Who do you think is going to be in the final round? We've had a lot of unpredictable successes in the last round, namely characters like well, Snowjob and Destro, there was a surprise there. I didn't expect um, Destro to take it there. As, as iconic as he is as a character, I didn't think the artwork was that strong. The bat-beating beachhead, that was a bit of a surprise for me as well, somehow. So, at this rate, I think it's anybody's guess, but I'm going to put my money on version 2 Snake Eyes. Anyone else want to weigh in on who else might uh, make it to the, the final round? I think it would be interesting if Storm Shadow, if it's Storm Shadow versus Snake Eyes... It's so typical. But, uh, you know, personally, I, think, I hope there's going to be an upset, but that is how it looks to be it playing It would be interesting so if, if that could happen, but I would actually like Baroness versus Torpedo. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oddly enough, I don't know about Baroness, but I mean, credit to Steven for coming up with this kind of term, tournament brackets. But uh, I liked the, a lot of the odd matchups, and some of them Joe, actually. I'm sorry, went... man. It's not an original idea at all. Far from it, in fact. But... <laughs> no, but this is an original concept to me. Uh, doing the GI Joe kind of world, challenges. the fan world, and the football world have one thing in common, and that's this <laughs> kind enough. of knockout style tournament. But given the context, I think this is original. I like Rob's pick of Torpedo, to be honest, as a dark horse. And yeah. I am, I'm not ready to, I don't know, Baroness is intriguing me. Storm Shadow barely escaped the first round. We'll see what happens. Interesting that he barely escaped the first round when his competition was the Alley Viper. But hey, that Alley Viper's got something, and it's all in the card art, if you ask me. So yeah, I'll be the dissenting voice on that first victim, that first blood. 
that first figure artwork to fall in this tournament. But anyway, let's crack on, shall we? In our first matchup for this evening, Storm Shadow 1984 is coming up against another Cobra from the same year, that being the Baroness. The Storm Shadow pick comes to us from 3D Joes, Star Joes, Scott Westerman, Generals Joes, and of course, yours truly. I also had to put him on the list. The Baroness comes to us from Scott Westerman, Star Joes, Scott Centafonti, and Dave Cabal. So both of these uh, picks have numbers on their side. They're both very popular. But which is the superior artwork? And for that, I turn to our esteemed panel of artists and art appreciators, Rob, Paul, and Cujo. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I'm going to bow out now and let you guys fight it out. Oh, okay. I think it's fair to mention that uh, in a slight bit of a twist for this uh, episode, we're not going to be as objectively critical as we will be more subjective in this case. I think we're going to add a lot more of our personal taste right off the bat here. Baroness, she is still the sexiest female artwork in the whole cadre of G.I. Joe card art. Even trumping a lot of the modern uh, era sort of representations of these characters and uh, i think baroness comes across really really well but i don't know i don't have a lunchbox with baroness on or a t-shirt with baroness on or any cool posters with baroness on and that makes me sad because i would love all of those things especially the lunchbox that would be kind of random people would expect me to pull a 45 cal out of it or something um you could tell the world that you've been putting your hand inside the baroness's box Oh. Damn right. Damn right. I was waiting for you to pick up on that one. <laughs> Walked right into it. <laughs> for sure. Hey, it's the battle of the dark versus the light. I mean, we've got... Yeah, it's, yeah, it's leather and If you do and want to talk and... about the art merits, I mean, which is a more difficult color to use? I think uh, the artist in this case has done a great job on both artworks. Both artworks are very well handled from a technical point of view. There's a term in art called windmilling, where um, you go light on dark, dark on light, light on light, and dark on dark. But to simplify that, it's basically, if you're going to draw a character that's all dressed in black leather, and um, the surrounding area is predominantly black, how do you make the character stand out? How do you give it form? This Baroness artwork is a fairly good example of how you can do that, because she's got a lot of light on light and dark on dark situations going on here. So, from a technical point of view, both the Baroness and Storm Shadow are well handled. Storm Shadow being the inverse of that, where he's clad in white on a predominantly bright background. So, the values are very similar. And these artworks both end up being very eye-catching and very striking at the same time, uh, on top of being tricky cells. The Baroness is one seriously difficult human being to draw. Okay, there is a distinct sexiness and a distinct look in Baroness that is incredibly difficult to capture. And if you go and do a Google search right now, you'll find hundreds of Baroness artworks. And a lot of them are very, you know, sexy, um, pseudo-erotic. Uh, I'm going to use a Japanese term, etchy, where, you know, you're seeing a bit of like, you know, pan- panty shots or bra shot or side boob or whatever. But... A lot of them are just not the Baroness. They're good-looking women with dark hair and glasses, but they don't evoke the Baroness-ness <laughs> of the Baroness. Say that five times faster. And I have to say, 
whoever this guy is, and we're going to talk about this later, I hope, but whoever this guy is, he's really captured the Baroness's look here. And he's really got this um, almost anonymous scory kind of look going for her that I think really works. And, and that makes her super difficult to draw. So that puts her in high esteem. But then on the other hand, you've got Storm Shadow predominantly clad in white. His face is never really seen. You've got intense Storm Shadow eyes. I mean, if you take two seconds to look at that, wait for it. Okay, you're blown away because those eyes are intense. Deadly uh, weapons, man. Deadly weapons, he man. He's looking into kill. my soul. Exactly. He stares into your soul. I love that Storm Shadow artwork. And I didn't submit it for a reason because I wanted to be a bit more left field with my submissions originally. And I actually intentionally avoided submitting this artwork because if I had, I would have submitted three Storm Shadow artworks to this uh, little bout. And I have so had this is an submit- open and shut case, actually, just based yes. on character alone. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, I really love the Storm Shadow artwork. I really, really, really do. Uh, a friend of mine brought me back a Storm Shadow t-shirt from the States. has this artwork on it, and I love it. It's one of my favorite t-shirts of all time. It was a really moving moment for me when I finally got my hands on this figurine and it came with the card art and I just did backflips and it, I think there's so much personal sort of attachment to this. I look at this and I'm just like, to give a character whose face you can't see that much character, that much intensity, to make essentially a plain character stand out as much as it does, Storm Shadows taking my vote all the way to the bank in this round. Clearly, a lot of conviction. Uh, Clearly, it's the artwork to beat. Like mentioning, like how other people kind of draw female figures and often try and attempt to emulate, you know, or kind of capture Baroness's character. I think this is perfect, and I like that the proportions are quite good as well. You know, with her body and, and the fact that she's also wearing kind of like bulletproof armor almost in the front, but it still it still looks very <laughs> feminine. She's got that cool black hole in the middle there. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> vagina the void. <laughs> the vagina void. That's the term that. Yeah. That Paul coined just the other session when we were, when we did our opening rounds. Yeah, and, K- and Kujo pointed it out. But I'm gonna add this: she might have a void over her her nether regions, but just above it, we have <laughs> a belt buckle that uh, on Comics Alliance in a GI Joe fashion critique article. They said about the belt buckle, there could not be a more blatant representation of vagina dentata than dentata. <laughs> than if it was an artistic <laughs> collaboration between Georgia O'Keefe and H.R. Giger. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that belt buckle is rather suggestive. I mean, even down what? to it's it's uh it's infinitesimal details. Uh, I'm, I'm speaking particularly about symbol. the top portion of the belt buckle. It's a mini Cobra symbol. Come on. Prepare to get a snake bite. An extension to that, uh, Sideshow's 12-inch or 1-6 to six scale Baroness figurine has a lock on that belt buckle. She's got a keyhole, and oh, Destro nice. comes with the key. Oh, my God. No. No, <laughs> yeah. that's not accurate. <laughs> I'm still gonna stick with Baroness. It just really brings more across the the character to me than than Storm Shadow does. I don't. Know, I think Storm Shadow looks better in his other outfits. I like it when he's kind of turned back to being a Joe. 
or he becomes a Joe. So I'm, f- I'm, I'm going almost Joe. in agreement with you there, Rob. I I, I want to support your decision, even though I'm not a voting member on this particular episode, simply because like <laughs> there's something extremely retro about the Baroness artwork, and I'm not saying that that's not true of the Storm Shadow artwork, but Baroness. Mm seems like a completely bygone era in the Joe line, whereas Storm Shadow has kind of been presented to us a number of times and yeah. always quite similar. The intensity yeah, of it, his death stare is something else, but Baroness is a standalone artwork. Like, that's not reproduced quite as well ever again. There's something yeah, and, and, and quite rare. Yeah, and any of the other female characters either, I think. I mean, you don't really capture this, this intensity. I mean, even if you look at, like, Scarlet, I think. She's kind of just standing there, you know, and she's like, hey, look at all the cool things i got in my outfit, you know? <laughs> yeah, for as popular as Scarlet is, the fact that nobody submitted, to my knowledge, that nobody submitted her as, as a suggestion. She was this, a lucky uh, loser. She was submitted. Yeah. But oh, she's wow. in my not, top 100. Not popularly enough. Anyway, I'm excited, guys. You know why? Because we could be seeing a massive upset, and it all rests in the palm of Cujo's hand. Let's have it. I don't over. know. I don't know how big of an upset it'll be. I mean, these are both from the same year. They're both uh, integral to the Cobra Ops. Um, if you're if you're looking at card art, you're and I, I don't I'm not going to break form or anything. But of course, the the next thing you do is flip it over and read the file card, which is something that's almost unique to the GI Joe toy line that made it incredibly captivating, regardless of your age. But both these are intelligence officers to a degree. Uh, Storm Shadow is more stealth. The art is on point on both these, really. But uh, once again, Storm Shadow showing one foot in the picture, and the other one, the one that's even in the foreground, is kind of cut off from your view uh, by that swivel arm grip or whatever. But it does create somewhat of a optical confliction. I don't love the Storm Shadow character design now. Now, I, once again, the death threats will probably be rolling in, but he doesn't make sense to me, and that's part of the charm, I guess, because he's in white. But he's also a turncoat to a degree, and I, I'm not real crazy about that. So both allegiances can be questioned on the characters, obviously, but I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with Baroness on this one for the sole fact that I do concur that. It is. It's a it's a retro design. Strictly strictly artistically speaking, uh, this conveys more action to me. The Baroness does, and I, I'm feeling that. So let, let's go ahead and take Baroness to the uh, next round. Wow! Oh, all right. I'll, I'll have you know that uh, Storm Shadow was our top seeded card artwork. Yeah. I think chosen by the most people. The most, yeah, the most numerous supporters. At ease, Ninja. Yeah, exactly. The Baroness just put him down. <laughs> uh, she, dude, she's she's Cobra bad candy, man. You don't want to turn your back on the Baroness. All right, well, with a surprise upset, uh, and I am going to continue to refer to this as an upset, the Baroness beats out Storm Shadow. In our next matchup, it's Firefly. Versus the Battle Android Trooper.
Americans are having to eat their own. <laughs> Firefly 1984 is brought to us by you, sir, Mr. Cujo, 3D Joes, Star Joes, and Scott Centafonti. And the bat was contributed by FormBX257, once again, Cujo, and me. Firefly is one of the few characters that I still collect every character iteration. So obviously, this particular card art made an impression on me back in the day. Uh, I don't know if he'll escape this round, just because of the many sins that we referenced in the previous round. Uh, his backpack, once again, kind of haphazard. I know that they're showing off his wares. I still don't like it. I think in post, they added the gun. There, there's too much distraction going on. I think uh, a tip of the cap to the eyes, obviously, and just the overall conveying of who the character is through the art. And he's matched up with Bat, who once again is, again, the artwork is not perfect, uh, as Paul and, and everybody else weighed in in the first round. But he has become something of almost a, I don't know, maybe a Cobra default. Like, if you see the silhouette of the Bat art, it, you know who it is exactly. And, and you can't say that for everybody. You can definitely say it for Firefly. Um, if we're talking heavy hitters, I'm, I'm going to go with Firefly this round. Uh, he edges out Bat, even though Bat has a special place in my heart as far as the card art goes. So let's go ahead and uh, blow some more stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> Bat was definitely my choice in the previous round. I had a lot of problems with Firefly. I think Sounds like you yeah, made up your decision Bat already, was... man. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I'm going to stick with the Bat. I mean, the Bat just looks, there's more action going on there. And like, if I had to like to buy the toy, like I'm looking on a shelf. Oh, there's Firefly. He's running away from something. And there's the bat. He's he's starting to equip himself with more stuff now to attack and go forward. I think that suggests a more interesting thing to me. Like my imagination is more fire <laughs> when I look at the bat. So I'm 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 sticking with the bat. My two cents, Ooh. if it's uh, worth anything in the final consideration, is that uh, the bat was absolutely the most captivating card back artwork. I remember poring over the assembled 1986, and it was sort of combined with the, the, the figures from 1985, and then incorporating the 86 figures, and I just, as a child, stared at that bat a lot. And on that same card back was, strangely enough, in the sort of Action Force um, lineup, they had Storm Shadow in that card back, they had the Baroness on that card back, but it was the Battle Android Trooper that held my attention, probably because of the swap out parts, and because he looked like a human being, thanks to those fleshy elbows. In inexplicably so. I mean, why has the Battle Android Trooper got his sleeves rolled up to that point, rolled away from the metal, and this kind of very flesh tone elbow joint. It is it is rather unsettling. I mean you have to you have to imagine that maybe that was the original concept and then when they brought it to uh, the powers that be they were like, eh, that's a little bit much for maybe a, a child's toy. You can't do uh, that exactly, exactly. And there's another uh, design element that I absolutely adore on the card art that was not translated over into the action figure. The fact that the faceplate is black. An all-black nice. head. How would that work in the toy? 
maybe it wouldn't work at all. Maybe that's why they opted not to do it. Maybe, you know, they wanted the kind of symmetry with the Viper and with the Battle Helmet Cobra Commander. But <clears throat> it's a very striking image that it's all the same color and very robotic and very cold, lifeless. Agreed. Yeah. If, I, if I can chime in um, on that, actually. Uh, Paul, I think, it's all you, baby. <laughs> Take it away. I think with the, the bat figure, um, just to while we're on that topic for two seconds, I think the original prototype of the bat actually didn't have a silver face plate. And I think the original bat prototype also had flesh tone. I have no evidence to support this, but I do remember seeing a picture of a bat Somewhere on the internet, I don't know if it was a prototype that was for sale on eBay or something, and I will do the due diligence of trying to find that image, but there is a a picture of a bat pl- a prototype out there without a silver faceplate. I have seen that on the internet somewhere. So if The molding of the original figure is anything to go by. His forearms are very clearly robotically sculpted, mm-hmm. but his elbow joint is smooth. And given the construction of the action figures back then, that elbow joint could have very easily been molded in flesh-toned plastic. Very much making, so. There you making go. Your, your Battle Android Trooper quite a unique freak show of a concept. I also think uh, the Bat was, a, was a, uh, an especially expensive figure to produce uh, because he had the lenticular element. He had uh, quite, uh, quite an ornate backpack. Uh, with those little pins for the interchangeable hands. The interchangeable hand, I think, is such a unique piece. And and although Joe's back then didn't suffer from much part reuse, uh, if any, actually, I think he was expensive. And I think that dollop of paint or that extra use of uh, flesh tone plastic might have been a few cents too much for Hasbro in their production costs. Or it could very much have just been a factory fault, a miscommunication between factory and, and producer. It's one of those cool little mysterious things in, in the G.I. Joe toy mythos. This is Steve with a sneaky last-minute edit. Turns out that the original Ron Rudat Battle Android Trooper sketches called him a cyborg trooper. Thanks for the contribution, 3D Joes. And back to the show. Coming back to the battle at hand. See what I did there. (laughs) (laughs) How droll. I voted over Firefly. I didn't give a Firefly his uh, due in the last round. In fact, Paul, in the last round, you voted against both of these these artworks. Between Firefly and the Battlecore Shipwreck, you chose Shipwreck. And between the Battle uh, Android Trooper and 1986's Beachhead, you chose Beachhead. So it's I kind did. of the, the battle of the dissenting votes. Yeah, the between yeah. two evils, which do I, I go for? There are things on the Bat artwork that offend me a lot quicker than the Firefly artwork does. Don't get me wrong, ladies and gentlemen, I really do love the Bat. And I actually really love Firefly. These are two toys and two characters I have a, a, a great fondness for. Um, like Cujo, I also collect pretty much all the iterations of Firefly, the exception being the green and black one from the 90s, which uh, I'm not a fan of at all. Um, all right, well said. That's Firefly? Must be the yeah, monster. exactly. It's that um, faceless master dude. That's what that yes, is. Yes, that's what that is. If you can even call him that, it's the great neon green ninja of stupid. That's for another podcast. <laughs> Heads roll. I, 
<laughs> I am I'm gonna go for Firefly. And yes, there's a lot wrong with this artwork, but then there's also a lot wrong with the bat. But I like Firefly more. I like this artwork more. It does more for me. Um I do enjoy the hoop hoop rest look on his face. You know, uh, in, in the last um, discussion we had about Firefly, there was a lot to be said about his eyes and um, the looking over his shoulder like he's just blown something up, uh, you know, dropped a gas bomb. You know, there's a lot of controversy behind the figure. You know, the gun is inserted in post. It could have very well have been a detonator or something far more interesting. There's just a lot more I like about this Firefly artwork versus the bat. So my vote goes to Firefly. The Master Uh-oh. Saboteur yeah. has just taken out the synthetic. Very Boom. nice. Dismantle the bat. Mm. <laughs> You're terminated. <sighs> Next up, uh. it's Snake Eyes, version 2, 1985. Fresh from having Timber sick and destroy Countdown. 1989. That Snake Eyes comes to us from, once again, Cujo, 3D Joes, Generals Joes, Scott Westerman, and Rolf Duplessis. So it is now our new most popular artwork. Those are some smart gentlemen right there. Right on. <laughs> Snake Eyes is going up against Destro1983, which was brought to us by Rolf Duplessis, Star Joes, and Sean Durden. So... Have at it, gents. I remember uh, Rob championing um, Destro's cause in the last round. So I think <laughs> Rob should definitely have the opening gambit. As a matter of fact, oh, okay. Destro's life is owed pretty squarely to Rob. Because Rob managed to get Cujo to flip on he all his well, job. He, he dropped the iconography, like how iconic Destro is. Because, I mean, I think we can all agree that the snow job artwork is nothing to sneeze at. But you see Destro, and you're just reminded how important he is to the entire G.I. Joe franchise. Yep. I suppose the character does have a lot to do with it. It can even make more legitimate art concerns seem trivial. So, yeah, I think, uh, I mean, there is no dispute that Destro is a more important character to the G.I. Joe mythos than Snowjob, so hopefully we won't get too much hate mail there. But I think what it also came down to was a question of, if faced with two of these action figure cards in the wild, and you were, you know, a child who could only take one of them or only pester your mom or dad or guardian to uh, to get you one, which one would it be? And the majority of the votes went with Destro. So, Robbie, which one will come out on top? Snake Eyes version two or Destro version one? Well, I think this is an interesting matchup because, I mean... That, like on opposite sides of, of the war, you know, there's Cobra and, and G.I. Joe, but they're also some of the more developed characters. And obviously, Snake Eyes is, is the focus, essentially, of the G.I. Joe comics. But then Destro also gets, gets a lot of pages, you know, in his whole relationship with Baroness and sort of his, over the years, him trying to, like, sort of outdo Cobra Commander. And even in the cartoons the one that we, we reviewed. It often felt like he was the guy with the, with the ideas and he was like, yes, finally, now I will be the guy in charge. And all of that is just so compelling. 
if I had to choose like a protagonist, Snake Eyes or Destro, I'd probably keep going with Destro. Because, yes, Snake Eyes is cool, but at least Destro, I mean, he can voice his concerns and his conflicts and his, his goals just seem so much more interesting than perhaps what Snake Eyes is. I mean, he's just trying to, what, save the world. Or Destro is trying to conquer the world for himself. And he's such a clever guy. I fear I, I might have painted you into a corner by, like, being the spokesman for their characters. But uh, I have to no, remind no, no, you no. that I'm, this I'm getting, is... I'm, I'm coming back to the point. If ah, very good. Not interrupt. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I think all of that comes across in the artwork. He's such an inventive guy. I mean, he's got this really cool-looking like, sort of laser gun. He's got rockets on his wrists. These sort of metallic gloves, which, I mean, you can imagine are sort of like powered in such a way that, I mean, he can sort of probably punch harder. And the fact that he wears this um, metal helmet... Like, I still don't like the fact that, that, you know, Snake Eyes is like, hey, I'm not even going to bother fighting. I'm just going to send my little dog off here to uh, kill someone. <laughs> Destro oh, is oh, he, he called it a dog. You know? I'm not the only one. <laughs> <laughs> I think we established that Timbers is his bitch, regardless uh, of what the actual It's a dog is. wolf. It's, it's, it's dog wolf. Even though this pose, I think, is, is a pose that they use quite similarly for many of the other animals. The, the way that the claws are coming out, it just, to me, it feels more like a cat than it does uh, sort of like a, a canine, like a dog. Anyway, I'm getting off the point. I'm still backing Destro. I just think, yes, he's radiating this sort of aura of power and danger. And he's still rocking the cool of, you know, sort of like, hey, look at my shaved chest. Awesome. Um, <laughs> there you go. You know, and he doesn't care. He's like, yeah, I take care of myself. And now I'm going to take care of you. Violent. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting all of this from knowing who he is and also looking uh, at this picture. You know, I look at Snake Eyes and all I'm, I'm thinking is, yeah, he's so lazy. You know, <laughs> first card, he's pointing for no reason. Second card, he's like, ah, oh, fuck it, you go get them. I mean, he only really mans up. And the third uh, card art, you know, finally he's freaking shooting someone and like whipping someone with his with his stick, you know. Oh, Rob's so, on fire. <laughs> so, yes, my vote still stays with Destro. And I hope in some way I've made it more difficult for you guys to stay with Snake Eyes. Incredible. So, so to sum it up, Rob, Very impassioned. Snake Eyes, Snake Eyes lazy, Destro manscaping. <laughs> totally. Hey, man, there's nothing worse than catching your, your manly fuzz on your uh, your bling chain. Exactly. <laughs> that should bite, and yeah, it looks man. like he works out as well. You know, Snake Eyes looks like he's just like some wimpy dude. You know, yeah, he had training, but now nah, doesn't even bother to like do a couple of push-ups and get those arms ripped. <laughs> this was ripped. <laughs> Don't kid yourself. Snake Eyes is very aware of his appearance. <laughs> no, no, definitely. But Destro is confident about his appearance. He's showing it off. Snake Eyes. Oh no, I think behind this I think the case you've made is incredibly compelling. Awesome. But so will it be saying, enough Peter? to flip you guys? Hmm. <laughs> Let's hear from Paul next. How about it? Yes, Paul. Oh, Lord. Okay. Dude, how do you well, follow that? After Rob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. How do I top Rob? <laughs> if I was a kid and I went into the shop and I had Destro's card and Snake Eyes' card um, standing in front of me telling me that I have to buy them. I definitely feel like Snake Eyes is going, I want you 
to buy me. Because he's pointing at me, he's going, hey, little guy, put me in the trolley. And then Destro's like, if you don't put me in the trolley, I'm going to shoot you. And I'm like, what do you mean? The most disastrous Scottish accent I've ever That's my worst Destro (laughs) accent ever, because I managed to pull off a good one a few episodes back. Try and do it without saying the word laddie. (laughs) Did I say laddie? Uh, Oh, God, that's how bad that was. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be sure. Okay. It was a few episodes back, wasn't it? For me, good old Snake Eyes is going to get it. And it's not because, you know, Snake Eyes is so iconic. I know that I sort of, you know, preempted myself by um, guessing that he might be this episode's winner. It's just that I really do like the artwork. And if I have to choose between him and Destro, I do like this artwork a lot more. Timber notwithstanding. I mean, Timber is a feature I can get away from. I just don't love Destro's artwork. I love Destro just fine. As a kid, it's it's what's happening with the toy. And I look at Snake Eyes and I see, okay, the sword maybe connects to the backpack. I go, oh, cool, he's got a dog, wolf, plastic farm animal that attacks people. You know, I just see it as, as more featureful. And Destro's artwork doesn't tell me enough about the toy. It doesn't say, hey, come to the backpack that can open up. And, you know, it just says he's got a gun and some rocket launchers on his arm. And you probably should buy me because I'm the bad guy in the show. But just Snake Eyes wins it for me. I'm sorry that that is not the most compelling argument that I could offer. It's just that I do like that. I do like Snake Eyes more than Destro artwork wise Mm. and character wise. If you have not listened to the preceding episode... Paul dealt quite extensively with the, the artistic merits of Snake Eyes' card artwork. But now I think it's coming more down to personal picks. And, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think anyone can fault you there, Paul. Thanks, man. Incidentally, <laughs> I mean, if Timber uniform. really bugs you, the irony yeah. is if you were a child poring over a card back back in 1985 and you hadn't located Snake Eyes yet... You don't get to see much of Timber in that cardback image. Yeah, that's true. Timber's quite successfully cut off. You should just see ears and eyes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you like squint at that artwork, it kind of looks like Snake Eyes is wearing some funky underpants. Not to mess up Cujo's vote. <laughs> no, that's that's the very reason why you guys are here. Does that mean the torch is being passed to me now? Indeed, it, the torch indeed. and the very ponderous precipice that these two artworks uh, are standing on. Which one I, I will am, tumble and which one shall remain? Well, definitely taking into account the points that both you guys have made, because they have uh, twisted me back and forth. Snake Eyes is one of those characters that uh, just, I don't think anybody can dispute, as far as Joe fans go, is iconic. Uh, the card art is the same. One thing that Paul said last round and kind of has been turning over in my mind is he's absolutely right that the Timber Wolf definitely taints the Snake Eyes art. It kind of undermines the amazing uh, posing or or whatever he's doing back there. But, mm, I mean, it's it's hard to argue how captivating that artwork is. Destro, on the other hand, I mean, let's make it personal. Snake Eyes probably has put money in Destro's pocket. So let's go ahead and put him in that position because Destro is basically financing everybody. Yeah. Uh, the bling, the bling is hard to argue with when you're talking character value because Destro was the first physically imposing character for Cobra that we got 
Uh, obviously, Copperhead was in the mix shortly after, but those two guys really repped the bulk of Cobra until Big Boa stepped in. Uh, I like that. I think it gives. I think it gives Destro some weight. I think the card art is actually maybe more captivating than you give it credit for at first glance. You know, the the fugly gun positioning is unfortunate, but it is a unique gun. It definitely captures your imagination. I think the thing that decides it for me, and this is kind of an oddball thing to go at, but Batman last round... Oh, nice. <laughs> Get out of oh. my mind! Um, no, I think that... He's uh, totally rocking the Michael Keaton Batman boots. <laughs> I would say that one of the sub- subconscious things about G.I. Joe art is that explosion in the background. It, it frames a lot of people. It gives relief to the character itself, its negative space, etc. I think that one of the things that the bat kind of fell into the scrap pile is that he has the digital explosion behind him. And it's not something that you recognize consciously all the time, but I would say that another thing about the Destro card art, which really back in the day gave me kind of a ponderous position was it's the first time you see Destro the enemy and there's no Cobra emblem. So when you first see that, I think Major Blood's in this wave as well and his says the same thing. But it's the first time you get introduced to actually a third faction in the fray. So I think it gives Destro some depth and, and, and gives him more of an interesting feel. So you know what? I'm with Rob on this one. I, yeah. I love Snake Eyes. He's not my favorite character. He can just go ahead and pop in the earbuds and uh, take a seat. Uh-huh. I think we have our second official upset of the night. It's wacky. Unreal. <laughs> Destro beats out Snake Eyes version 2, who, in terms of listener popularity, was the clear favorite. In fact, Destro was in on a wing and a prayer because he was one of the lucky losers who got drawn. But he beat out Snowjob, and now he's added Snake Eyes to the list of his victims. Can anyone stop the weapons dealer? We'll find out. (laughs) Maybe Baroness. (laughs) Perhaps it's looking that way. So far, our top three remaining contestants are the Baroness, Firefly, Destro, and we're about to determine our fourth. In this next matchup, it is Ripcord 1984 versus Torpedo 1983, battling it out to be the last Joe standing. Ripcord comes to us from Robert Lee, myself, Justin from Generals Joe's, Dave Cabal, and Torpedo is contributed by Dave Cabal, Scott Westerman, Scott Santafonte, and Kevin, otherwise known as Forum BX257. Getting better at that, aren't I? Mm-hmm. No, don't say anything. Don't say anything. <laughs> I think Rob should start this one off since uh, you have a personal preference to Ripcord. And then, Kujo, feel free to rebut him with your personal predilection for Torpedo. Gotcha. Yeah. Have at thee, boys. This is actually a really tough one. Because the cool yeah. thing about these. Both Action these artworks, poses, man. Action poses, yes. I mean, this is one of the like the big like things I considered when I was choosing my top ten was action poses. Like, what looks totally different from a dude just standing there, like sort of waving his gun in the air, not Good. even holding it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I 
a lot of figures actually, and hardly any of them actually hold them by the trigger. They seem to be like holding by the butt or holding it like by the, not even by the barrel. I mean, like when Fire is holding a magazine. On the clip. Um, yeah. Yes. And like both of these are really, really good because then it's like action. It's suggesting a play pattern, you know, which is, I mean, I mentioned in the first round. I quite like that. You know, like, this is what you'll be doing with this guy. I suppose it's telling that, I mean, I, I, I own a ripcord. Do I own a ripcord? You do. Yes, I do. But I do not own a, own a, a, a torpedo. And also, when I got ripcord, I mean, he didn't come with everything that you're supposed to. But he just, to me, he feels like the most soldiery G.I. Joe. I mean, he actually looks, I mean, he's got the cool camera, and he's got the whole halo aspect to him. Um and he looks like a proper soldier, you know, like he's, he's going to drop down and he's going to do some covert mission. I mean, this is like Solid Snake and he's dropping from the sky into Russia in Metal Gear Solid 3. I just really like it. And, and I mean, it just shows all the stuff that he comes with, you know, the, the, the backpack, the gun, his awesome little like shoot in the front, all the equipment is on him. And I just really, really like it. I mean, he's dropping from the sky. That's cool. And then it's Torpedo. He's swimming under the water. You can also see a lot of the stuff that he comes with. He's holding his gun. They both suggest very cool stuff to do with these figures. Yeah, I'm going with Ripcord because I don't really want to put my torpedo, if I own one, into the water. So I wouldn't really ever be able to properly recreate what he does in this card art. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still with Ripcord. He just looks badass. You would throw your Ripcord out of a plane. Well, maybe not a plane, but I'd drop him off a, a roof onto, like, grass. Which is perhaps more destructive than uh, a little bit of rust on the screws. I don't know, man. Like, I'm pretty sure a lot of kids uh, subjected their torpedoes to, to water. Did you uh, go diving with a torpedo? Jeez, <laughs> oh, Paul. How about you, Kuja? You had the 1983 torpedo. I believe it was a very cherished early action figure of yours. I did do. He go, did he go on any aquatic adventures? You know, I, I was all over the place with how I treated my G.I. Joes. Some people got some pretty shaky treatment. I want to say that Seal was pretty well taken care of. No. I didn't I didn't exactly uh, put him in any kind of elements that would, would beat him up at all. Right, so not even a bit of water. I mean, rusty screws to a kid matter very little. Yeah, I, I didn't. I wasn't a big, like, a bathtub or, you know, put, putting him in water type stuff. And I also noticed you like to call him Seal. And I not, do. You know, uh, that just yeah, sort of stuck seems, for you. Seems more natural. I think back in the day that that kind of captured my attention. Although torpedo is is a nice handle as well. Well, I think it's quite clear Rob's not going to budge from ripcord. So I guess okay. uh, it's your duty to make a case. All right, I will start with the aforementioned seal. Uh, once again, I think a lot of people selected this uh, on your panel, did they not? It's got four people, uh, excluding so yourself. You actually left him off your top ten, but uh, I can imagine he would have been the the honorary eleventh. Well, if you recall, if you recall my top ten, it was just a powerhouse of, of collection of characters, and you know, of course, hardly any of them made it. But I'm taking a look at Seal right now, and obviously, this character meant something to people. I think with me, I'm a lot more fascinated with underwater. So just the the inverted positioning of the character uh, compared to Ripcord. I think that Paul pointing out uh, lighting in the art, that really kind of opened my eyes to a different level of appreciation as far as some of this art goes. I would say that Seal definitely has some nice lighting 
kind of once again you're seeing the lighting from the top or off to the left i guess but uh let's go on to ripcord once again i feel like he's something of a rarity at least in my mind because it is one of those characters that has multiple lighting sources on the card and and paul pointed out yesterday the, the blue at the top which is a is a really telling accent and it gives you know even more fodder for the imagination Ripcord was not a character that really ever made an impression on me. Obviously, I lean towards the bad guys. So Seal feels a little more in my wheelhouse. I am going to uh, go swimming. It's I've on you. I've been kissed by a rose on the... <laughs> Whatever. Every time you say Seal, all I can think of. Yeah. yeah. Uh, right, I just hear doom, 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 doom. All right, Paul, what do you got? Um, my word. <laughs> this is gonna get real. For me, this is the most, uh, probably one of the most difficult decisions because I love both of these card arts uh, very much. Actually, I think Torpedo has possibly got the most unique pose for a diver in the entire line because all of the other divers are either doing the inverse thing that the um, you know parachute guys do or the skydiving guys do. Uh, if you reference guys like the eel and things like that, if you reference deep six, deep six is uh, hitting the ground underwater uh, and you're looking up at him. So torpedo has got... got a similar approach, but uh, those goofy bloody socks just put me off, man. Oh yeah, <laughs> let's not even bring wetsuit up. Ugh. That'll just make my blood boil. Old <laughs> <laughs> torpedo has got something very cool about his card art. That, like I mentioned before, I love the sort of uh, expression on his face. You know, like I said, and this is quite a common thing for me to have said, was that it gives you a little window into the sort of soul of the character or the personality of the character. You can read a bit of their personality, kind of. Like I said in the last one, I would have made, if it was me, I would have made his backpack a little bit bigger to uh, hide his buttocks, just because I know that that's a difficult thing to draw especially when it comes to the depth situation, uh, and, and I would have tried to use the backpack to help force that depth. But I know I you're mention... viewing that from an artistic point of view, mm. but I'm glad that the backpack is small. I mean, those tanks are not Octo. That's like a Heliox. That's a, a rebreather, probably. Yeah. I mean, it's it's well, very early rebreather, but like it's designed to be military spec, and yeah. therefore very low profile. I mean... Typically, wouldn't seals wear the, those kind of packs on their front? I think they yeah. do nowadays. Mm. But anyway, I, Torpedo was kind of a proto rebreather. Is that is that what Undertow has going on on his chest? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And uh, uh, Shipwreck version two, the Battlecore version also has. Uh, he he, wear, he sort of wears it on the front. But uh, I mean, Torpedo's got some interesting thing going on there. I mean, does he actually have some kind of weapons on that backpack? Are those mini torpedoes? Torpedoes, <laughs> possibly. Brilliant. And he also has one of these sort of remarkable strengths of a card art in that he's holding his gun well. Uh, as nice. Well. Uh, it's something to mention there, uh, and it looks great on him. Kujo's being have... very selective about not saying that uh, the buttstock of the weapon should be into his arm. Uh, and you're right to point that out, Stephen. I, I am a, I'm a big stickler on how weapons are handled. Uh, it, it is a little, anytime you don't bury the buttstock into your shoulder. I mean, you're basically like hip firing. Mm. Yeah. He's, not, yeah. he's, not, he's not really leveling the weapon on a target. I think the weapon is kind of pointing off to his left. 
He's I don't know, it kind of feels like he has spotted something. Uh, yeah, and like he might be. He is like it's a. It's before. It's a precursor to him getting into an action pose. Right now, yeah, he's in the eye, his eye line pose. and the line of the weapon don't align. <laughs> Just well, yet. There, there's, so, yeah, he's there's about such to... a fluidity of his of the artwork as well. I mean, you can almost feel him moving. Yeah, yeah, and he's about to ready that weapon and level it. So this is why it makes the decision so difficult because both of these characters are in action. They're both about something's about to happen. But They're something both... that Ripcord does that we mentioned in the previous episode that I don't think any other G.I. Joe card art does is mm-hmm. he's taking that pensive moment before mm-hmm. hitting the silk. You guys argued that his eyes were closed. I argued that he was looking down at his altimeter. But you made a very poignant statement about the fact that if he is indeed closing his eyes just to sort of take a moment. And, and that's something very telling and very unique. If he's actually got his eyes closed as he's sort of vaulting through the blue. And something which links these two artworks, and it's quite cool that these two have sort of come head to head because they're thematically very similar. And I like both of them, but my vote is going to go with Ripcord because of exactly that. That little moment, at least to me, I'm looking at it and I get to be personal about this decision and I really do feel that that is that moment. Ripcord's about to fall into hell, and he's just taking those three seconds or four seconds to find his calm in the storm before he helps to unleash hell. Uh, when I, he, I like when he that perspective. But and, Kujo, uh, to, to give credit to your view, you have won me over. I went into this being a Ripcord uh, fanatic. But in my non-voting view, non-suffrage view, Torpedo has the superior card arts. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't believe I'm yeah. saying. Kick, kick rocks, Torpedo. Okay, <laughs> hey, man. Well, uh, but yeah, for me, for me, it's totally ripcord, and it is by a hair. It really is. I just want to put that on there for the record. It's a, it's by a hair, and it really is that little moment that makes them different. Otherwise. If it was another day, maybe I would have gone Torpedo, but today it's Ripcord fully. This has been, I think, our closest battle to date, but it's Ripcord. This is one of the battles that feels like with the most confliction at this point, because we're keeping the only two good guys left alive. Sure. (laughs) There's only only one good guy left to rep. But then again, buddy, you are the Cobra sympathizer, aren't you? Mm. Well, fully. fully. Typically so am I, but... uh, You're kidding. yeah, we have two uh, Cobras in our midst, Rob. Yeah. <laughs> no, this is very telling. I always used to play Joe in in my playtime. Rob, I know similar story. Although actually, I'm not so sure anymore, Rob. I know Scoop was by and large a protagonist, but you mainly had Cobra figures when I when I first first met you. Yeah, I just liked the the mystery of the figures, and they suggested more like I could do other stuff with them, like sci-fi and be in space. Nice. I was going through a serious ninja phase uh, at a certain point uh, of my childhood before the Ninja Force came out, and anything with a helmet or a face mask ended up being a ninja, and Cobra gave me more fodder for that than Joe did. Um, so what ended up happening is I, I used to lean a bit towards Cobra quite a bit because of that, because of the whole ninja aspect. I also, for the longest time, and I can blame this on not really having watched the cartoon, but for the longest time... I just used to feel all Cobra operatives were robots. Um, yeah. yeah, like I thought they were all like advanced ninja cyborgs at one stage. 
but now as I've gotten older, I've just I've definitely found certain messages in what Cobra is doing to be quite compelling. I really like a lot of the intrigue in Cobra. I guess when the whole G.I. Joe series as a whole is written well, uh, you definitely can see both sides. And if Cobra's done correctly, it's a, it's an incredibly interesting story. In fact, I'd be very interested to see them be regarded as the protagonists. And well, G.I. Joe is... being part of some, you know, very clandestine, evil military conspiracy. <laughs> Uh, I mean, that that kind of uh, storytelling is really damn dangerous, Stephen. Subverting the real right. American hero. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad but I'm here Cobra, for this conversation. Cobra represents the, the rest of the world's interests. Oh, man. Dude, yeah, that's, dude, that's a podcast unto itself. Well, you better bring some reinforcements for that podcast. Anytime you guys throw me a line, it's a pleasure. No question. Yeah, but you might need some, some fellow Yanks to represent. <laughs> I want to throw a cat in the in the attic here with um, the Cobra argument, <laughs> Cobra Joe argument. But if you think about it, Cobras are more everyday people. These are people from different walks of life that are unifying under one ideal. Yes, it's fascist. I, I'm not disputing that, but it's a bunch of people that are from really from different walks of life. I mean, you've got accountants, you've got um, you know ninjas, you've got uh, Australian and British biker gangs, poetry writing assassins coming together to join and sort of meet each other in the middle and, and sort of fulfill this goal. And G.I. Joe, you've got the best of the best of the American army. You know what I mean? Before it starts getting, you know, hokey with your sport themed Captain Gridirons and crazy stuff like that. But even still, those guys are not every man. <laughs> you know, those are like, like superstars already, you know, that have become soldiers. So it's weird. It's kind of like I can actually see a story where Cobra are a bunch of people that really do feel like the current government is pushing them around and that as people that need to stand up against that government. And here they, they come up with all of these different soldiers. Once again, and, and Kujo mentioned this, it's a very dangerous story to tell and it's also very controversial to look at it that way. Oh, I no, I, I love anything that's that inflammatory. But I mean, like, uh, I think the most compelling angle that you could approach with Cobra, at least in this current climate, is I would love to see the twins be the main bad guys in Cobra. Because, I mean, uh, on their file card, it says they chase you with paper. I mean, that's all we do nowadays. I mean, it's just mm -hmm. a bunch of bureaucrats chasing people around. I think you could really make some interesting storytelling if you, if you took those guys seriously. Cobra seemed to bookend the extreme upper classes as their Cobra Guardsmen legions, you know, mm. highly motivated, politicized, intelligent, educated people, and then also cap the, the underclasses as their sort of their workforce, their fodder. So it's very interesting to, to try and determine what political model the Cobra organization follows. I mean, they're, they're not socialist, but I don't know if they're fascist. Uh, they've got the makings of like a military dictatorship, but at the same time, uh, you know, they believe in, in commerce and, and capitalism. It's, yeah. I, don't, I don't really understand um, what Cobra really is, but it, it would make for a very intriguing <laughs> exercise, I suppose. Uh, anyways, guys, we're getting sidetracked massively. There are four finalists. We're going to whittle those down to our two finalists and then our one ultimate card art. For this, our penultimate round... 
of four, we're going to enter a new consideration into the fray. We've talked about the artworks quite a bit, but we're now going to talk a little bit about the action figures that they pertain to. This is, after all, an action figure-focused podcast. So we'd be very remiss if we didn't talk about the action figures, the action figure representations of Destro, the Baroness, the insidious saboteur Firefly, and everybody's favorite Halo jumper, Wallace, not a Wayans brother, Weems, (laughs) 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 aka Ripcord. So yes, our first matchup, ladies and gentlemen, is none other than the Baroness versus Firefly. Well, I'll start off with the Baroness, and I think anybody who collects figures knows that anytime you have to render hair on a figure, it's always a minefield. I think early sculpt was I think they did a fairly good job representing Baroness's beautiful black locks. But, yeah, I, I'm not going to knock it at all. I, I definitely think the gun elevates the card art as well as the character herself. I feel it's, it's an extension of her personality. It's a long-range weapon. She's obviously an intelligence officer. She's out to get information. She's extremely crafty, and she uses her, you know, her physical prowess to her favor. Uh, jumping over to Firefly. Just before you get started on Firefly, I find myself um, with a, quite a different opinion of, of Baroness to you. I think her sculpted hair is an absolute triumph. It's the most successful sculpted hair uh, on an, certainly an action figure of that era and action figures of, uh, of, of our current era included. I mean, if I compare Baroness's sculpted hair to the hair of figures coming out of even the sort of most recent Marvel Universe action figures, I sure. take Baroness any day of the week. It's her gun that I've never been 100% sold on. I guess it's because the scaling is very, very it, much upscaled from the artwork and the detail doesn't carry over. If this was a much it, more petite sniper rifle, the detail level would be fine. But it is the size that it is, and I fear weapons around 84 were almost at their their sort of design and detail zenith, and this is a very okay. plain weapon. I do like well, the I, fact that it's made of a more brittle, um, smoother plastic. There's no gummy plastic in Baroness's accessories, and so it's... And it, it's if I do recall, that gun sculpt was actually pretty punishing on the plastic thumbs, was it not? The handle is is quite smooth and quite uh, it's not it's not terribly wide, but if you try okay. to hook the buttstock under her arm, that's when things got a bit trickier. I'm doing well, it I as think... we speak, and no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> um... It's because it's the same uh, grade of plastic as the action figure, so something's got to give. I'm actually okay with the disproportionate sniper rifle, uh, for the sole fact that. Very recently, I've been watching this cartoon called Helsing Ultimate, and one of the female characters on there has basic hand cannon for a sniper rifle. So if you ever lay eyes on that, it might inspire a little different opinion. But I'm with you. The hair, I I mean, it's hard to dismiss that when you're discussing the card art. You guys weren't crazy about the hair flip. I I think that embodies Baroness. I I think she is flair. And I think when she walks into a room, that's where your attention's at. So at the end of the day... When we discussed Firefly, 
Now, this is a character which I love, and, and I'm not going to mince words, but the card art is only redeemable on a few levels, and, and the strength of him has carried him this far, but but I think this is where he gets sloppy with his plastique, and I, I think he blows up this round. So I'm, I'm going to carry Baroness to the next round. I'm looking at Firefly now and actually looking at the figurine, because that is something we've decided to consider within uh, this session of voting. It seems like they did get his submachine gun right, and it is actually pretty well realized in plastic, so it comes across well. I, I think it's great. Obviously, now we're feeling the sting of the missing 45 cal, which uh, is missing, and it is present on the artwork. It betrays what's uh, what the figure, but then again, we have compromise coming in the form of a walkie-talkie. We also have one other small fault that is not to be sort of missed, the backpack does open, granted, but unlike the artwork, it does not swing open. Now, this is one of those things where I think it was a smart move not to have it swing open because that plastic would uh, break in time and it would probably cause a lot of headaches for a lot of uh, 6 to 11-year-old kids in 1984. I mean, if we have to look at the figure versus the card art, I'd say Firefly succeeds with certain things, compromises on others, but ultimately the Baroness succeeds in a lot of ways. She has more than what she has in the card art because you don't see her backpack originally, and we get an extra backpack with the character, and to my knowledge, it's like the only Baroness that comes with a backpack, really. Hey, man, you um, get an extra telephone with uh, Firefly. Yeah, well, you <laughs> get the walkie-talkie. The aforementioned walkie-talkie. No, no, that's, which... a, that's a full-on cell phone, dude. That's yeah. not a walkie-talkie, brother. 1984 mobile phone. Yeah, he's, he's rocking it. <laughs> it's a he's lethal a weapon. You could bludgeon someone with that. Oh, dude, that, might, can... that might be the most dangerous accessory. <laughs> he puts in a text, he blows something up. That's where you're going, right, well, Kuja? Well, maybe... I still think that they, they took a debt switch out of his, his uh, left arm in the, in the card art. I think that they mm. probably saw that as a missed opportunity to flex another weapon. But one thing that kind of slipped my attention then when Paul was talking, I, I recall if I can jump back into the fray for a second. Mm. One of the things about the, his eyes in the card art, I mean, we've, we've discussed that at length, but one of the things about the sculpt that kind of irritated me was he almost has a road-weary kind of expression on his face in the sculpt. I didn't find his eyes intimidating, and that's kind of the whole point of him. That's the only thing that you get from him. I do also want to put forward perhaps there's another reason why he wears the mask, and that's because he's a rather grotesque-looking dude. And I'm not saying disfigured from scarring or anything like that. He's got a strange head structure. Well, when, and you see that in the head sculpt. Oh, okay, I'm with you. I'm with you. Mm. Uh, the artwork makes him out to be quite a dashing dude. And I'd say his ethnicity is probably perhaps Asian even, to uh, put him in line with the kind of... Uh, Storm Shadow, in a, in a sense. It's like all the Cobra Asian agents from uh, 1984 wore balaclavas. But the detail that I wanted to to uh, mention was that on the figure, his left arm possesses some small chits of, I don't know, maybe they're circuit boards, or maybe they are kill switches. He seems to have some technical detail on his left wrist. And that's absent in the very prominent left wrist on the artwork. Mm. Hmm. 
Yeah, it is a missing... They picked up the detail on his thigh, but not the detail on his wrist. Duke got the camera on my thigh, but not the camera on my wrist. (laughs) (laughs) But all the backpack Uh, details are spot on and present and accounted for. We've got something that looks like a compass. Something that looks Uh, like TNT. You feel like... And the tools. You feel like whoever the creative director was, was like, make sure you feature this guy's backpack. We even want the needle nose pliers drawn in there. I mean, they they were pretty damn specific. And yeah, every a lot of... socket for that wrench. Yeah, for real. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of beautiful sculpting that goes into that backpack. And the walkie-talkie. With the modern era stuff, having the, those walkie-talkies uh, floating around from one or two characters here and there cellular is a great phones. little accessory for me to have. Because I, I disregard them as cellular phones and, and look at them as either satellite phones or as um, <laughs> detonators or that kind of thing. So I, I've always appreciated that side of it. This is very close because if we factor the art that is the figure and you put the two together, you've got two really stunning toys with two great artworks, one artwork that is superior to the other, and that is the Baroness. Uh, The Baroness's artwork really does trump Fireflies. And as a figurine, I'm going to give my vote to the Baroness here. I think she's definitely earned it. She's fought really hard to get where she is now in this competition. She has a fantastic sculpt as far as the figure goes she could do with slightly thinner arms but then again i don't own one so i can't really look at her in the flesh so to speak and the card art mimics her details fairly well i think she she gets it for that i think the little mistakes that they made with fireflies card art really do come into play here in this battle of giants and i think the baroness has to take it i think it would be unfair if the baroness lost towards firefly and that is why I'm going to give Baroness my vote. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, yeah. Wow. That's already two votes, is that right? That would be, yeah. Excellent, two that makes my choice Baroness. easy. Baroness. <laughs> I've been championing her from the very start, and she's on top again. Brilliant. You did. You really I like put Baroness her, uh, out front. Yeah, Baroness all the way from the sweeps start. sweeps the boards. Boom. Well, she, she's just getting more attractive as we go. And she yeah. will make it into the final round, where she will face up against either her lover, Destro, <laughs> or uh, oh. <laughs> the Dark Horse, everybody's favorite G.I. Joe character, Ripcord. <laughs> her, her ultimate <laughs> rival. Steven, I gotta ask, did you ever anticipate Destro and Baroness meeting up at the end? Not did, really did that is. cross your mind? No, of course not. Uh, Destro was, in fact, one of the lucky draws. He was not going to be in this list at all. But he was drawn out of a pile of about, I don't know, uh, 20 or so names. So (laughs) Destro, well, if Destro comes out on top, that's going to be a major coup. But let me not load it any more than it already has been. (laughs) Gentlemen... Destro versus Ripcord. I think oh, once again, it's quite fitting too. to talk about the action figures themselves. So, I mean, they do definitely come from opposite ends of the spectrum. Not only are they G.I. Joe and Cobra, but you've got a predominantly black figure with a very obvious jewel in the crown, that being the chrome head, versus a very standard-looking green camo-patterned jumpsuit, but then modified so nicely by the soft goods 
His backpack is molded in rubber and is a wraparound piece. His gas mask, once again, rubber, flexible. It allows a bit of movement to the figure and doesn't interrupt his function at all. I mean, if you were going to do an action figure back in 1984, this is how you were meant to do it. It's a sublime design. Both of them are. Destro has a fun feature in that his his case opens up with that ever-tantalizing unassembled rifle and various knives and hand grenades and a very small Derringer-style pistol. Just, as I say, to tantalize kids and, and adult collectors alike. And he comes with, and I've said this before on this podcast, but it was many, many years ago and perhaps bears repeating, my favorite pistol of the line. Whoa. It has never been surpassed. Destro's handgun, or hand cannon, is just sublime. Yeah, let's go ahead and assume that thing has a little bit of a kick on it. <laughs> you know he's not going to be holding anything that doesn't jerk your shoulder out of socket. Well, I mean, if it's a laser gun, I don't know how much recoil uh, light would give it, but if it is actually firing cartridges, yeah, I imagine it would take, take your head criticism. off. <laughs> then again, uh, man, you've got to have uh, a good bit of strength to be able to, to launch ordnance off your wrist. So I don't yeah. think Destro's uh, manhood is ever going to be in question with his yeah, standard. <laughs> Like I said, chicks dig it. He's not lacking confidence. No doubt, man. We got two very interesting toys, actually, because both of them have really great accessories. Both of them have fun, playable accessories in the form of the backpack that opens for Destro and Ripcord's um, sort of some assembly required helmet with the air mask. And he's got the whole parachute that folds over his body. These are great little features. They both have cool little finicky features uh, that are fun to play with. And uh, both of them have things that could upset a kid when they buy them. I know that if I got ripcord as a kid, I would be upset that there was no parachute that came with the toy. And if I had got Destro as a kid, I'd be upset that I couldn't take anything out of that backpack or store the pistol in. Because I don't. I, if I'm not mistaken, that pistol does not fit. Uh, um, you'd be wrong, Paul. The pistol fit? fits. Yeah. Ah, Okay, well but then. a nice sculpted detail on Destro. I mean, of course, putting the pistol in the backpack is a convenience. But his thigh holster is not occupied by anything. Yeah, it's open. So it, the, the, the assumption can be made that he's wielding his holstered weapon. Ah. Mm. Something that also made Hawk's version 2 uh, sculpt quite attractive, to me at least. No, it's, it's the little details that matter. It's the little details that tell the story. Between the two, I think a lot of you guys know where I'm going to go. I'm going to go Ripcord with the artwork. I still love that artwork, and I still think it's very strong. I don't need to go into why anymore. Ripcord himself is a fairly generic-looking army man. And in a lot of ways, that's kind of what makes him really, really awesome as a toy. Slightly more dressed-up characters are going to start coming out later. And if he was still on the shelf with, say, some 85 Joes, or even some 86 Joes in the unlikely event. I I know that a part of me, when I was a kid, picked up Ambush, because Ambush looked very army man-esque in comparison to his uh, contemporaries. And that is something that, that speaks to me. And in this case, I'm going to go record because I do love having the army man. I think Destro is dead sexy in his black leather and 
red uh, collar and he's got his little grenades and his rocket launchers and he's got that stunning pistol that uh, Steven mentioned. But it's just it's a few things. I, I don't know why Ripcord speaks to me as much as he does, especially now. And I think it's because the artwork and having looked at the artwork as intensely as I have been in the last few days. And Destro is a character I've known pretty much my whole G.I. Joe life. So I am going to give it to Ripcord because I can now infuse this character with personality that has been given to me by the artwork in the last three days. This so far, I think, is is the toughest choice I've ever really? made. Yeah, because, like, I, I, Destro is my man. He's been my man <laughs> throughout this entire thing. I think I, I've got him further than anyone else in this entire, like, battleground. <laughs> Ruloff and, uh, and Sean, and I think it's Ryan from Star Joe's. They're in your corner, buddy. They're <laughs> in your corner. But also, like, Ripcord is one of my top ten choices. Like, I, I've... I've liked it forever, the artwork, and I love the figure, just because, as as Paul said, he's he's a generic character. You can project yourself very easily onto him. And then coming to the figure, I mean, his face is very unique. He's kind of ugly, like compared <laughs> to other Joes of the time. He looks like a looks like a potato or something. He looks yeah, like a colonel of Metal Gear. Which is so. I also find that interesting. Is that he's probably one of the ugliest Joes that came out you know, 1984, 85, like, at the time. Like, I mean, you've got guys with moustaches, and you've got guys with a cool little, like, blonde beard, but this guy is so ugly. I mean, I'd say almost to such a degree that almost his eyes, I mean, I don't think his face is symmetrical as well. Like, if you look at look him, like, straight ahead. There, there's there's somebody out there that they based the sculpt off of that they're like, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm <laughs> <laughs> currently purchasing uh, airline tickets to South Africa. I'm sure. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> but that's what I like about him, you know, is that he is ugly and he looks different. So different from many of the other Joes. And then, then you come to Destro, who, I mean, one of the most interesting things about the figure is that he, I mean, he is taller than the other figures. They went out of their way to actually make him more imposing. You know, not just in the artwork, but in the figure himself. He is, he is bigger than, than all the other Joes. Except maybe, what, like, Roadblock, maybe. I don't know. Actually, uh, he's taller than Roadblock. Well, there we go. He, Roadblock's he's, stature he's, in 1984 wasn't all that, eh? They definitely mm. drummed yeah, him up in the scrawny, media. Yeah, scrawny dude. Yeah. But, like, they did a lot to make this figure and, and through the artwork and through the figure itself stand out. I mean, you know, this sort of chrome hair helmet fact that he is taller than the other figures wow also there coming back to the artwork which one do i want on my wall like as a big poster like who do i want to look in their eye before i go to sleep at night we're not there yet i should actually have saved that for the next round <laughs> the <Chinese Yeah>. boy. <laughs> i'm gonna keep going with destro oh my goodness Ooh. i like the action of Ripcord, but I like the iconic sort of posing of Destro. And also, as Kuja mentioned in the previous round, I mean, there's this huge sort of like sticker almost like on the packaging. Even covers G.I. Joe partially. Destro, the enemy. This guy is someone you have to take notice of. You can't help but t- take notice of him, figure-wise. That shiny oh, helmet. He barely, he barely fits on the card. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's, that's incredible. Yeah. 
his know? bicep is about to push enemy weapon supplier out of the way. <laughs> that would be tight if it did bump the front. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Probably accessory-wise, I probably would choose Ripcord. But I just think Destro, just he's so unique and interesting. And I, I would love this as a poster on my wall above my bed. So I'm sticking with Destro. I'm losing my mind, guys. I'm losing my mind because I'm so excited. Uh, that means Paul is in with Ripcord. Yes. Rob is supporting Destro, which makes it, it very intriguing indeed. Well, I mean, the plot lines running through this competition is 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 gripping. Uh, it, you know, if, if I go with Destro, then we got a lovers' quarrel at the top. But uh, just just to take inventory of Destro once again, you know, combining it with the sculpt itself, I never loved the Destro sculpt. I, I, I just didn't find a great way for him to fit into how I played, etc. Um, to take it more to a personal level, I do not like characters that were born with a silver spoon in their mouth and or a silver face, as it were. Mm. <laughs> Rob brought up, and this is one of the reasons why I'm having such a good time talking to you guys, is you actually are more articulate with your thoughts than I am. But uh, I like the fact that... Uh, we have a character in the fray that is relatively hideous to look at in Ripcord. And let's be honest, if we have a ginger, are, are we saying his hair is red? If, if we have a ginger take the, the crown, oh, what what an what a interesting, unforgettable tournament this is. Well, but, isn't it just fortuitous that uh, you can't see his locks from under that, uh, <laughs> that gas mask and helmet? But definitely well, on I the mean, figure, I've always thought of him as a redhead. Mm. Well, I, I think Ripcord is one of those characters that you appreciate as you get a little older because you do respect the fact that he is designed very uh, conservatively and realistically, and that speaks to you. I do like his gun with that handle. It almost looks like an M60 handle, but it, it's, uh, I don't know, what, does anybody have a, what type of gun that is? I'd call it an R1, okay. uh, but I could be way off. Um only because uh, the South African Defense Force used to use the R1s. I don't feel like it's really fitting of his character. I feel like he should have something of a sub-auto that he could tuck into his waist or something. Yeah, it's certainly but, not uh, a very effective uh, paratrooper weapon. And this is something that I'll quote, uh, well, perhaps paraphrase, Form BX257. It's a very long battle rifle, the R1 or R4 or whatever its nomenclature is. And a much more suitable weapon for a paratrooper would be something more compact. Hell, even the version of this rifle that has the foldable stock would have made for a more fitting paratrooper's weapon. But yeah, an M4. I mean, obviously, wherever the winds take you, you might land in a a pretty confined area. And if you're swinging that rifle around in a a close proximity, it's it's no bueno. I'm going to say that Destro's... Weaponry malfunctions. I'm, I'm going to take Ripcord to the next level. Outstanding. Such so Mr. Cobra it. himself goes with the Joe. I, yeah, oh. I like balance. I like storylines. And, and while Destro versus Baroness would have been a real hoot, I think we got to rep the uh, ginger on this one. And I'd just like to get back to the art at this point and say that, well, for my two cents, Ripcord has superior art. Yeah. That card Agreed. art fired my imagination like nothing I'd ever seen before. And I only ever saw this card art for the first time when Rob acquired the action figure and it came with his file card. 
which contained that little snatch of ripcord with his eyes closed, all looking down at his altimeter. Like, that was something that I'd never seen done before. It was altogether something special as, as an artwork. You, you don't see the motion lines on card art that often. I mean, obviously, it's falling from the sky, so it makes sense. But that also adds an, an extra element of motion. Yeah, take it or leave it. I could do without lines, to be honest. The hell you say. <laughs> 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 so that brings us to our final round. I never in a thousand years would have thought <laughs> it would be between... The original bad bitch, Baroness, and the most forgettable character to ever appear in a live-action G.I. Joe movie, <laughs> at least in name, uh, if not in, uh, in more faithful representation, Ripcord. This is the ultimate card art showdown, final round. And before we get stuck into that, I'd just like to big up all of our contributors I'm going to name drop them all one more time. Why not? Because we love you guys so much. Scott Centerfonti, Star Joes, Scott Westerman, Generals Joes, 3D Joes, Mike Tenebrae, Rule of Duplicy, Kevin Form, BX257, David Cabal, and Sean Durden. And I'd like to thank you guys for making this a blast. Please feel <laughs> free to respond, voice your complaints if we <laughs> have snubbed your favorites. And to you three gents on the other end of the line, uh, this has been terrific stuff, really, crackerjack stuff. I think we've all kind of uncovered information about our beloved toy line that we'd never really considered before. And so it's time to bring it on home, gents. One other thank you before we do that. <laughs> uh, 3D Joes. This episode recording comes just after 3D Joes have produced a very, very high-quality production, reproduction of card art all in a poster format. You can order it oh, online from their website. It's been an invaluable resource for this episode, and they've really done a bang-up job. 3D Joes have cleaned up the images tremendously uh, to create a very, as I say, high-quality presentation. Everyone should have one on their wall if you're considering yourself a real G.I. Joe fan. How's that for pressure? How's that for a marketing punt? 3D Joe's, give me free stuff. Nice. <laughs> but Roll yeah. one up and send it to South Africa. Well, hold fire on that uh, if you don't mind because uh, oh, right. we are in the midst of this god-awful postal strike. It's been going for two months now and all my Joes are pooling up in the depot and it's it's making me go out of my mind. It's nightmarish. But... You can't even track them. <laughs> but, um, They're still uh, there. Yeah, another feeling. <laughs> I, I would echo that sentiment with 3D Joe's. They did a great job on their website, repping all the art and stuff. Made, made it save me a hell of a lot of clicks otherwise. So props to you guys. 3D Joe's is selling these uh, these posters, but from what I gather, it's not exactly like they're making a crazy profits. They're covering their costs. So this is effectively like all GI Joe sort of fan projects, a labor of love. And uh, they really deserve your support because they've put a lot of time and effort into this stuff. Uh, and it shows. It's evident. As I say, really high quality and, and impressive and clearly a massive, massive draw on, on time, which they so generously give. 
So yes, 3D Joes, we salute you. But now, it's time to crown our winner. The finest G.I. Joe card art ever. At least according to four gentlemen represented by G.I. Joburg on this uh, Tuesday evening slash afternoon. Here, here. Yeah. What can be said that hasn't been said already about these two figures? I think we could almost just call it a, a straight final and vote. Unless so you guys too. have some burning final words to say. Do you know which of these two you would like to see take the crown? Does it even matter at this point? We have one Cobra female represented, one G.I. Joe male represented, both fine artworks. They had to be to make this far. I think, honestly, like this is the most personal uh, battle because I think people's emotions will weigh into it given that, you know, Baroness represents bad candy. If you've been jilted or had a real toxic relationship in the past, you might shun Baroness because, you know, it, it'll remind you of such things. If you're, if you're blue collar... you of uh, candy apple. There you go. If, if you're blue collar... You're definitely uh, down with Ripcord because, I mean, you want somebody in the trenches flying through the air, a man of action. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see how people uh, lean on here. Yeah, well, I, I'd love to see um, listener responses as well coming through on the Facebook page and um, through Twitter just to see what they thought of our choices. Um, at this if point, you've come we... this far, you may as well. Yeah, and uh, I think... At this point, it's not even so much a, a personal thing now. Now it's just a matter of voting up on its merits. You know, if you guys don't like our choices, that's actually cool. And, you know, one thing I've learned about G.I. Joe fans, or at least the Joe fans that this uh, modest little podcast has attracted, is that we have some pretty awesome fans. Love you guys. You guys have great opinions, and you guys seem like a really nice bunch of people that we would love to go and have a beer with. And... We've been enjoying, you know, the mails and the messages and, and everything that we've received from you guys thus far. So I'm really looking forward to the, the opinions flying at us. I'm also looking forward to hearing from guys like Justin Bell uh, from Form BX Kevin. And uh, and I'd love to hear from 3D Joes. I'd love to see what they think, you know, based on, on the big uh, reveal at the near end of the episode. Yeah, I know I've got mine already chosen. I know what I want to say about it. And it's going to get real in this place, is all I'm saying. Don't wow. leave us standing on ceremony, Paul. Plunge okay. on everybody. It's taken a lot. And uh, weighing up everything that's come up until this point, I'm going to say Baroness. As uh, Kujo mentioned earlier, Ripcord's very blue-collar. He's our man in the trenches. And he is really great. He's a cool character. He's ugly, as mentioned before. He's <laughs> Somebody who not, none of us would have expected to have come up into this uh, final round. And that makes him quite special already. But what he doesn't quite have is something that is unique to him. The Baroness's outfit. Yes, a vagina. <laughs> I'm sure he has a, 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 a lot of vagina somewhere. But uh, the thing oh. is the Baroness, <laughs> the Baroness herself has a design element to her that um, Ripcord sadly doesn't have. Ripcord is a very well-illustrated halo jumper with all of the bells and whistles that make him well-illustrated in that regard. He's this 
he's got the the front shoot he's got the altimeter he's got that moment of silence he's got the dynamic pose he's got action in his pose he's got a lot of these great things that he needs to have to sell him as as a paratrooper he needs these things he needs them to be there you can't have him standing on the page and go hello jumper but the baroness the Baroness, you could put in any kind of position. You could put Baroness, ha, 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 yes. You could put the Baroness in a in a diving suit. You could put her jumping oh, out boy. of an airplane. You could have her in action pose. You could have her standing. You could have her crouching. You could have her walking away from the camera with her backpack falling open and everything falling out. You could do that with the Baroness, and all of that stuff would just mean one thing. It would mean it's the Baroness doing that, and her design comes across with her outfit, her gun, the glasses, the face, the oil slick hair, everything. And that is why I feel the Baroness has to take it. Plus, she's a lady. She's the first lady of Joe, in my opinion. And uh, I think she's earned this one. I think she's really, really earned it. I'm also going to go with Baroness. Wow. Because, as Paul said, I mean, the art, both artworks are, are beautiful. But what represents G.I. Joe more? You know, like... You look at the image and you're like, what makes this more G.I. Joe than that image? That's just a halo jumper. This is a Cobra operative. Like, that could be a halo jumper from almost any toy line. That could be a, a core halo jumper. Well, this is the Baroness. I mean, it's it's in her name. You know, there's only one of her. Okay, so Cobra the royalty. Baroness. Exactly. I mean, you can't mistake her from any other toy line. It, it's iconic. Beautiful. She's a cobra. Yeah, Baroness. There. I said it. <laughs> cobra. Very good. And we're well on our way to crowning our queen. But Cujo, take us on home. No, I, what have you got to say? Without, without being uh, swayed by either one of those gents, I'm going to go with Baroness as well. Clean sweep. And I, you know what? Oddly enough, I would not even have given her a second thought when this whole selection started. But and that, that's a credit to the picture that you guys paint and the art that's been painted, rather. And once again, it represents just how dangerous a femme fatale can be. She took out all of our heavy hitters. Mm-hmm. So go Baroness. She did not uh, have an easy road, but uh, she swept the boards a grand total of three times. It's, it's got to be the hair flip, guys. Can't deny it. <laughs> Vaginal void. Wow. <laughs> or, or that, uh, which which now will, that term will never leave my mind. Thank you for that, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Had to be memed somehow. Oh, man. Good Outstanding, gentlemen. It's been a long yeah. road, but we have our winner. The Baroness from 1984 is G.I. Joburg's pick for the number one G.I. Joe card art ever. I just want to put out a a huge shout out to action figure designer Kurt Grün. Based on my research of the G.I. Joe artworks and the actual design of a lot of the characters that we were speaking about now, Kurt Grün seems to be responsible for a lot of that. He also seems to be responsible for a lot of the magic that is the G.I. Joe action figure line. He was responsible for a lot of the artistic design behind a lot of the G.I. Joe figurines, the artwork that would go into prototyping and then eventually become the figures we know and love today. Another man who needs specific mention is a gentleman by the name of Hector Garrido. I hope I have not uh, molested your name there. 
But uh, he was responsible for all the paintings and the artwork that found its way onto the card art. These two men, it was very difficult to find the names of these artists, and I'm pretty sure there are more. But uh, Hector Garrido is definitely the G.I. Joe of the card art, and Kurt Grun is definitely Mr. G.I. Joe himself when it comes to the design of the figurines. So much respect to you gentlemen, and thank you very much for creating some artworks that have uh, filled many hours of debate amongst fans, especially the four of us collected here today and um, our supporting members who submitted some fantastic artworks for us to discuss. And yeah, guys, we really hope that Hasbro will shake a leg and uh, collect your artwork in some form of a tome, in a book, a coffee table book, preferably. It would be great to see your respect paid for you guys and your work. Thank you. Do we know if they have a social presence or not? I believe Hector Greedo has passed away. Okay. Uh, uh, to, uh, based on my research and this website, it's quite old. Uh, he was 80 years old at the time of um, them posting some of his artwork. And uh, yeah, as for Kurt Grun, uh, I'd imagine I just need to do some research. Maybe I could find him. It does seem like the uh, the men and women of G.I. Joe art and G.I. Joe's creation are a humble and or modest bunch because uh, they tend to not come out of the woodwork very easily. And even gentlemen like Larry Harmer have a very reserved and humble presence when it comes to their sort of social identities and things like that. I mean, I follow Larry Harmer on Facebook, and I often post stuff uh, his way. And he's not very much about bandstanding when it comes to any of the work he's done. He's very straightforward, down-the-line kind of man. So... Got to say, it's a it's a great bunch of people that have brought us this stuff, at least in my opinion. So yeah, I just had to mention that. Just had to say thank you to the guys who have done it because it's been really, really difficult to find this stuff. Totally. And on that note, I think it's a good time to leave it. Gentlemen, it's been a blast. I'd like to say, especially to you, Kujo, thanks for coming on board. You're a welcome member of the G.I. Joburg team anytime. Oh, thank you. I mean, it's been a creative uh, kind of revelation to be chatting with you guys. I mean, it, it gives it gives me a different take on the stuff that I'm usually involved in. It goes both ways. Thank you guys for letting me uh, kind of bend your ear for a bit. It's been a very welcome bend. All right. And I think with that, uh, it's time to say goodbye. This is me, G.I. Joburg, discussing card art. And from all four of us, Baroness rules. She's she's a big poster on my wall soon. <laughs> Destro's next to her because Baroness, you know, and Destro. Hey Paul, would it be possible for you to uh, get Destro and Baroness to instead of holding their weapons, hold clarinets? I think I could <laughs> try something like that. <laughs> then Destro and the Baroness could be practicing their clarinets. Clarinet. <gasps> uh. So long, everybody. Goodbye. This and Gojo. Yeah. And Cobra. And Paul telling you to keep your swivel arm battle grip locked onto G.I. Joe Bird. Until next time. Cobra! Mindbenders jogging on his ham radio His best friend is some guy he doesn't even know If things could always be this way 
wouldn't that be nice? But no dice. Cobra's got the mass device. 